up y'all welcome to the what is truth podcast sorry about the technical difficulties everyone we think we have found a solution and that's going to be using speakerphone (laughs) on microphone mr robert bito how are you today well besides the technical problems i'm doing just fine how are you (laughs) oh we're good we're 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 gonna have a great conversation uh, technical difficulties aside, uh, so we won't worry about that too much. Uh, obviously, it's always nice to you know be talking face to face and and enjoying the ambiance that way. But we can do it the old school technical way, I, I suppose. <laughs> How have you been? We can pretend like we can pretend like you're a radio show disc jockey or a radio show host, and I'm calling in as a guest. But we can do pretend. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? When I did my very first podcast and I was just starting out, my very first podcast I ever did, I had a little laptop that couldn't stream very good. Everyone in the comments was always uh, complaining about the buffering issues. (laughs) And then I had a gaming headset and I just... uh, made the call i think through facebook messenger put him on speakerphone kind of like what i'm doing right now and then put the other end to my gaming headset microphone and that's how we did our first show <laughs> so oh, that's cool hey whatever works right hey whatever gets the ball going i suppose uh but i'm super excited to be talking to you i've been following your channel for quite some time and i just gosh just uh recently realized that you were on unnormal paranormal podcast i've had those folks on a few weeks ago and i had no idea you were on their show uh good good guys over there and so i did listen to that that show but i've been following you for quite some time and truly love uh all the work that you put into your show Uh, but for those that may not be familiar give us a little bit of background of who you are uh what your show entails and and how you got started well um I am the creator of Mexico Unexplained. It's a podcast and a YouTube channel. And as the byline goes, we explore the magic, the magic, the mysteries and the miracles of Mexico. And it's a weekly show. And what I look at is obscure history, the paranormal, UFOs, myths and legends, things like that. And how I got started on this is I've owned 
an import business for almost 24 years. It's uh, it was found. I founded it in 1999, and um, it takes me down to Mexico and other countries in Latin America to to source my merchandise. And so, um, because of all of the traveling that I did and that I continue to do, I'm always exposed to weird, unusual things that people in the United States might not know about. And uh, sometimes people in different regions of Mexico don't even know about. And so I noticed that on YouTube, especially, and in the podcast realm, that there was a, a lack of information, a lack of material about Mexico out there. And so I decided to start the channel just based on my own experiences and what I was exposed to. And I've, I've researched uh, and was, have been into these sorts of topics for many, many decades. So I'm not like a newbie to this sort of thing. So I guess that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, you know, I heard you on a different, it wasn't with a, with Jeff Chavy and the Unnormal Paranormal Show. It was on a different podcast. Usually when I have a guest, I like to do a lot of homework research. Mm -hmm. And I try to find angles that um, my guest hasn't explored or, or brought up, you know, just to make my conversation a little bit more unique. Um, but I, I heard you on a different show and it was a couple of white dudes and you brought up Cristina and Univision. I'm like, man, <laughs> Robert Beto knows what's up. They had no idea who the hell you were talking about, but I sure as hell did. And when I heard that, I was like, man, I got to get this man on. He knows what's going on. He knows what's up. And, and your show is very informative. I mean. Hey, what's up, y'all? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Mm. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One of my, my show generally goes into the conspiratorial realm, but I do branch out into different, um, different topics. I've had Daniele Bolelli on my show. Uh, he's a historian that's been on Joe Rogan several times. I had Gerard Williams, uh, you know, a world renowned journalist, uh, rest in peace. But I've had, you know, all kinds of, I've had musicians, well-known musicians like Brian Harvey. I, I, I don't try to just uh pigeonhole myself into just one area if you will and this particular topic regarding you know ancient mexico and 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 mexican culture obviously i'm mexican-american and i've always had pride in in my heritage uh my grandpa on my mom's side looks like a straight up apache warrior or, or you know and he passed away in 1993 but he was a, a badass baseball player that uh, 
was even offered to play uh, professionally baseball back in the day, but because he was dark skinned, they he had to play in the Negro leagues. And my oh, wow. yeah, my grandpa was like, "Screw that! I'm as good as anyone, you know." And so I'm just gonna stay here in Mexico and play. And in that town where you know my parents is from in Zacatecas, if I just tell people what you know my grandpa's name was, and everyone knows remembers his legendary status you know in the town okay. uh, yeah because he, he was such a, a great uh uh athlete and so you know he, he great memories that i have with my grandpa and he taught us about you know the the indigenous cascanes to zacatecas and i've always always had pride uh in my indigenous uh you know uh past my i have a half brother we have the same dad, uh, but different uh, mothers. And his mother is full-blooded Yaki, uh, you know, from Sonora. And he's a giant dude. He's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, uh, played college-level American football. And um, he would always tell me, like, yeah, man, I'm the littlest one in, in my, you know, on my side, you know, my mom's side of the family. He goes, all, all my Yaki cousins are all huge, man. He's got a few 6'8", six, 6'9", six, cousins. Uh, and then when you hear the legendary stories of the Yaki tribe, uh, they were some bad mofos. And what I, what I like about your show, you break up break them up into about what is it, fifteen minute segments or so, and, yeah. and you go in depth. And um, I mean, it, it's for people that's always on the go. I mean, that's a perfect bite sized chunk. But I I I'm more of a long form type of dude, so I, I would love to take some some deeper dives into these areas if you don't mind yeah yeah pick something and then we can go with it yeah. <laughs> well let's go into the the yaki indians because again that's that's uh i'm not of that heritage but that's my half brother um and um you hear the stories see because I think uh, so there's a good chunk of my audience that's from the uk it's a long story <laughs> but a good chunk of them are from the uk and um they you know it, it's not just them but i think people in general when they think of native americans they think of a monolith it's all the same peoples uh, just roaming around the plains kind of what hollywood has fed us what people fail to realize is that Native American cultures all up and down the Americas, not just in Mexico, all up and down are very different. They have different cultures. Uh, there may be some syncretism involved in certain areas where they may believe in a particular deity or have their own version. Uh, but there's different ethnicities and they, they can look very different. And, you know, the Yaqui Indians are, are one of these indigenous tribes that the Spanish tried to conquer them for centuries. And every time they tried, they got their asses handed to them. It wasn't until, uh, you know, the advancement of better guns that they were able to, quote unquote, tame them. But I'd like to, um, if you can go down into, you know, a little bit of the Yaqui tribe. Well, the Spanish first encountered them in the early 1600s, and the story goes that 
when they met first face to face with the Spanish, they drew a literal line in the sand and told them, don't ever cross this line. <laughs> and the Spaniards didn't understand them. They did, but they didn't, whatever, you know, a line in the sand. They did cross that line in the sand, and then it was guerrilla warfare for, you know, like two centuries. And an interesting thing about the Yaquis is they resisted well into the 20th century, and the last technical Indian war, the last technical Indian conflict that the United States had was with a band of Yaquis that crossed the border into the southwestern U.S., I believe Arizona, in I think it was 1908 or 1910. And that was considered the end of the Indian Wars in the West. Um, a lot of people think that it was 1890 in the Northern Plains, but the, there was an incursion of Yaquis across the border. And um, because so many were hiding out in the mountains trying to fight what was then the Mexican government. And then they were making uh, trouble for the U.S. government. They were crossing the border and people were supplying them with guns. And then they attacked. They attacked some place in Nogales, Arizona. And then the cavalry, the U.S. cavalry came after them. But because they lived in the deserts of North western New Mexico for so long, they knew the terrain, it was their land, and so anybody coming into their turf, onto their turf, was going to be met with resistance from a people who knew where to hide, how to fight, how to survive in the harsh desert and in the mountains and things. So they were, any invader was outwitted by the Yaqui people. And um, I did a show very early on, it was like six years ago, seven years ago, about a republic that they tried to set up in um, around the Yaqui River in what is now Sonora. There was a man named Cajeme who was part of the Mexican military. And then he decided to rally the villages, the Yaqui villages, to try to become an independent republic. And they were independent and on their own for a little while until the Mexicans came in and said, nope, sorry, you can't have an independent territory on our, on our land. So they captured Cajeme and a couple of other of the leaders and, you know, they executed them. And then that was the end of that. Yeah, it's it's. I've had these little bit of conversations, but you know, it. I love. I'm a big uh, history nerd. I do have a lot of questions um, regarding history because, as we all know, no one disputes it. History is always written by the winner. Uh, growing up, I you know I, I was born in San Diego, grew up in L.A., uh, Pasadena area um, for a few years until I was you know close to 12 years old. Then uh, we lived in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, for I lived there for 20 years, and then I've been in Florida almost eight years now. And when I remember as a youngster learning about the U.S.-Mexican War, 
I had heard the Mexican version of it. And then in high school, I hear the American version of it. I'm like, wait a minute. The Mexican version sounds, makes way more sense than this, you know, poo-poo that we're getting fed in the American school system. And, in in you know, I didn't believe in conspiracies back then. But I remember, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, the way they're reading this or the way they're teaching us this story of the U.S.-Mexican War makes it sound like a friendly exchange of money for land. But it was called the goddamn U.S.-Mexican War. <laughs> and, and they don't they gloss over Manifest Destiny and, and they gloss over James Polk making the campaign promise that he was going to take that land come hell or high water. And they don't be, they never go through any of that. And so that's when you you start to, well, at least for me, you know, especially the last couple of years, man, I've questioned everything. And if something starts smelling fishy, man, I want to dig into it even deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's just gosh, I'm I'm in a weird uh air time of, of my life right now where anything I read historical or whatever, I'm always looking for the propaganda aspects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, w what sounds more reasonable what sounds like complete BS and it's just getting tougher and tougher yeah you know and um, there's an indigenous perspective to that war too yeah yeah <laughs> so there's not just two there's another you know the, the indigenous people were recruited you know the different tribes were recruited to fight on the different sides but yeah that, that's what helped the Spanish well, you know, that's another thing that gets glossed over when you just look at the the invasion or some people will call it the conquest of Mexico. Uh, it just depends on how you look at it. But they, it, they you, when you get the condensed version, you make it they make it sound like 300 Spaniards came down and just conquered over a million people uh, real quick. Nothing. There was so many missteps that the Aztecs uh, did and they made so many right. enemies it, with their heavy tributes that they demanded from other tribes. So when the Spanish came and said, hey, team up with us, they gladly accepted. Didn't real, and But they didn't realize that perhaps things would be a lot worse under Spanish rule. <laughs> so I, I guess you just well, pick your poison. You know, but for that, yeah, well, some people claim, some indigenous people at the time claimed that the Spaniards were better than the Aztecs. Even though, you know, now we think, you know, from this 21st century perspective, oh, well, you know, indigenous people should rule themselves and any sort of outside intervention is worse. But to these people who were under the Aztec thumb for a long time, they were they welcomed the Spaniards as liberators, as you said, and some of them said that it was a better life. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the Aztecs had. Well, it's not a monolithic view, you know. There's different views right. when it comes to it. Um, I definitely have my certain uh, views. And I even like to have, sometimes I'll just role-play scenarios. What if the Aztecs would have just killed the Spaniards upon arriving on the shores immediately? Um, would that have well, changed? I, yeah, well, you know what I think would have happened? And I've said this to people and... People who say, hey, man, I'm Mexica, you know, and they're like, hey, I'm, you know, indigenous, I'm Mexica. When I tell them my 
my um, alternative history and what I would think, they get all mad at me. But if you're from Mitchell Con, then you'll be like right on, Robert. What I think would have happened is, what I think would have happened is, um, if they did beat back the Spanish, what they were doing, what the Mexica, what the Aztecs were doing was not sustainable. They kept on growing their empire, and without, you know, the wheel, without mass transportation or whatever, they couldn't really hold it together. Okay. But who were their neighbors to the west, the Purepecha or the Tarascan state? They were more organized. They were nicer to the people who they conquered. And they it was almost the Tarascans, a lot of people don't know about them, but they were directly to the west. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I've heard I'm of them, sorry. yeah. You you, you yeah. really and real quick before sorry to interrupt you. Sure, what people no need to realize is in Mexico, there are a, for lack of a better term, a shit ton of different indigenous tribes, uh, right. all great in their own right. So a lot of people think it's just Aztecs and Mayans. Sometimes they'll even throw in uh, the Olmecs or the Toltecs. But it's far, far more um, indigenous tribes that go into that mix that, and, and you can't blame people for not knowing. It's just stuff that doesn't get taught. Right, and so the the Tarascans to the west of of uh, the Valley of Mexico, to the west of the Aztecs, they had an empire too, but they were more like the Romans in in a way that they offered citizenship, quote unquote, to any conquered people. If you acted like a, a Purépecha, if you acted like a Tarasco. If you were a conquered people or a people who were paying tribute to the empire, if you acted like, adopted their language, adopted their dress, they accepted you as a Tarasco, as a Purépecha person. And they were kinder than the Aztecs to their conquered people. And so the, their empire was more cohesive. And they were, they were enemies with the Aztecs for most of their history, but... For some of their history, they did have like a detente, a kind of peace, you know, knowing that, okay, we have a border here and we're not really friends. And there was even one time in their history where there was a marriage of an Aztec princess in Tenochtitlan, and they invited people from the royal family of the Tarascans to go attend the wedding. And they went, they attended the wedding, they celebrated with the royals of the Aztec Empire, and then they went back home to Tsinsunzan, the capital city. But the Tarascan state was growing at the same time as the Aztecs. But like I said, they had a kinder, gentler kind of empire. And I think if the Spanish had not come to central mexico in 1519 if they would have delayed it by 50 years i think the tarascans the aztecs would have gone head to head in a big battle and then what happened with the spanish when the spanish arrived they gathered together all these allies the tarascans would have done the same thing they would have said to the tlaxcalans to the totonacs and to all those other subjugated people who were treated really harshly they would have said to them, hey, join us. We'll defeat these people. And I think Mexico would have been Purépecha and not Mexica. 
Yeah. 50 years. I mean, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess the the role plays that I have is had the, and I definitely agree with you, their way of dealing with other tribes was completely unsustainable. They were pissing people off. uh, and, And they had vast riches. I mean, when you listen to uh, what's his name, Bernal uh, de Castillo? Right, yeah. When you listen uh-huh, to yeah. his accounts, you know, on on arriving and whatnot, he straight up talks about how wealthy the Aztec capital was. What you know was, and and and, and I know we're kind of crapping on the Aztecs, but I do like to give them their 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 due, you know, because they were a nomadic peoples that made it. To greatness, you know, very few civilizations throughout history can uh, claim that kind of status, uh, whether for good or for bad. I, I'm sure you, uh, you can make arguments both ways. Uh, right. And so it, it's just truly fascinating um, when 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 I think about it, and if they if. For example, as soon as they got wind that there was these foreigners on their shores and said, F it, take them out and take their weaponry, uh, they had they had schools, they had libraries, they were pretty damn well advanced. They had, it, as, as unsustainable as it was, they did have um, a society, if you will. And so... Who's to say that their scientists wouldn't have, you know, maybe back engineered some of the the European stuff? Because some people will say, well, the Europeans would have just sent, uh, would have just sent more people. I'm sorry about that. What the hell is going on here? Um, would have sent more people and they would have been doomed anyways. And I kind of push back. I'm like, well, not if they reverse engineer some of their weaponry. Um, and, and, you know, and then take the horses that they did have and, you know, and take it away. I mean, this is all fantastical, um, positing anyways, but it's, it's for me, at least it's kind of fascinating. And then when you look back at the start of the Aztecs and how they were a nomadic peoples and their in your opinion, where do you think Aslan was? So Aslan, for those that may not be familiar, is the mythical origin uh, place for the Aztecs. I have seen many people make the case that Aslan is in the Four Corners area, and I think there's a lot to it, but I, I'd like your your thoughts on it. Well, the people, people have said that, and there's linguistic ties because... Um, as you know, yeah, Aztec and language family. And so Aztec is related to Shoshone and a couple of other languages in the Southwest. But um, there's, there's a lot of controversy as to where this could be. Some people think that there's um, a place on the western coast of Mexico, and I did a show on this, called Aslan Found, and some people believe that there is a place in western Mexico that fits all of the descriptions in the legends, and um, yeah, so it could be there, it could be the, uh, or maybe that was like a stopover place, 
or it could be the four corners. I mean, we really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like um, people are making a case. I know you had a previous guest about making the case that Florida was Atlantis. You know, you can, or the Garden of Eden, or whatever, these mythical places, you can always um, find what you're looking for, really, if you really want to. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I love, so. I love Dr. Narco Longo, but I'm still, personally speaking, I'm still not 100% sold. But I still want to hear uh, what people have to say, you know. Oh, sure, um, yeah, and, and, of and his his documentary on the Saxer Stones, where these giant stones have these grooves. Who the hell made oh, those? The anchors. Yeah, the anchors. yeah, that that's fascinating shit. That just makes me like scratch my head. I'm like, oh damn, okay, what about this? Uh, but I mean, one of the the things that got me fascinated with with the Hopi and the Aztec. Um, Besides the language, I mean, I think the language is one of the strongest pieces of evidence, no question, because uh, it's the same eth ethnic peoples, if you will, you know. And then when you look at in the Hopi, they have it. They they have these um, engravings and stones in the Four Corners area of the rattlesnake uh, clan, which the Aztecs refer to themselves as the, as the rattlesnake clan. Uh, heading south and then i remember reading this book and it's been many years this was when i was in high school i'm 40 years old now and i remember reading this book that i wish i knew the name of the book it was a thick thick uh book and i wish i had it because i've been trying to find any information to back up the claims that i found in this book and the claims in this book was talking about the ethnic uh the ethnic similarities, uh, you know, they were kind of throwing the Hopi um, relation, uh, you know, connection as well. But they were saying that in the Aztec mythology, a group of uh, a part of the tribe, when they were nomadic, wanted to head keep heading south. The other part or the other part of the clan wanted to head east. And... Uh, according to this book, there had been traces of old Nahuatl languages as far east as in Florida and some Florida tribes. And what they were saying is that linguists posit that language changes. You can have a whole different language in, in, the, in the span of a thousand years because language tends to change 20% uh, every century. So in a span of a thousand years, you have a whole new other language. And so... Uh, according to this book, that there were traces of the Nahuatl uh, as far east as in Florida, which to me has always, always captivated and fascinated me. Uh, wh what say you on that? Well, you know what? I had a professor um, when I was studying at ASU. I was trying to get into their Ph.D. program for anthropology, archaeology. And there was a very famous professor there named um Cogill, and he was he was an expert on teotihuacan but i remember one of the things he said in his class was don't ever underestimate these people's ability to get around and so ancient people we tend to think because they didn't have mass transportation or modern transportation that they really couldn't get around all that well but you know what I mean, 
I remember when I was in school, there was a story, and I wish I, I wish I could uh, get a hold of this story. There was an emancipated slave from Alabama, a woman who put all of her stuff in a wheelbarrow and walked to Los Angeles. Now, <laughs> <laughs> so, now, if somebody could do that in 1865, they could do something similar in 1205. Yeah, 80, yeah. You know, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. People could get people could get around a lot easier than we think they could. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that because, um, I saw this this report and it never i've never seen anyone give mainstream mention of the polynesians making it uh to the west coast of the americas and there they have solid evidence and, and the reason why people don't maybe talk about it is because the polynesians didn't have a written language it's almost like you need to have written language for these quote-unquote scholars or archaeologists to take you serious or take your culture serious uh if you don't have written language they kind of write you off and so the polynesians didn't have a written language uh but we there's have one exception yeah there's it's one exception there's one exception who's that the rongo rongo script of easter island ah and that's controversial too but yeah anyway that's getting off track no, you're fine. Hey, we, we can we can hit up all these rabbit holes because I'm, I I've got a little hop to myself. This is my, I love I love talking about this. But I I remember seeing this report where the Polynesians. I mean, you first have to look. It doesn't take Looney Tune thinking. Look at the Polynesian islands, Micronesia, the the Tongas, the islands of Tonga, uh, the islands of Samoa, uh, all those islands have humans how the hell did those humans get there well they must have sailed so if they to me the polynesians shout out to the polynesians uh there's a couple that listen to the show so shout out to y'all uh but it, it, they rarely get any any love um or any respect as some of the best seafarers that we have ever known you know what I mean? They were doing it in, in, in these little rafts and they navigated the crap out of the globe. And so we have evidence that they made it to the western coast of the Americas. Um, and the evidence is, I, I believe it was the, the yams or, or sweet potatoes that mm -hmm. they, they brought back to, to the Polynesian islands because those are not indigenous to the Polynesian islands. They're indigenous to the western uh uh, coast of the Americas and so we do have you know hard proof and then obviously we've heard of you know um, some of the the Leif Erikson stories making it uh, to Greenland and 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 some way explorers that more than likely made it way before Columbus it, it, who gets all the glory but one thing as a kid and I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts and call and don't be afraid to say oh dude you're you're full of shit right now uh i don't <laughs> it doesn't hurt me at all but i remember when i first heard of the omics um civilization a lot of people make a big uh a big issue with how the omics 
facial features on the statues look you know a lot of people will say right. they they look very uh african um and 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 so but i've seen other you know proud chicanos post pictures of native americans that look like the olmec heads too like say nah man you're just too much into the afrocentric so there's there's a, like a little battle going on there uh but i posit this theory that why would it be far-fetched to think because according to what we know anyways uh many people will say that the omex society was pretty much the father civilization to the rest of the indigenous tribes you know after their appearance but we don't know much about them but that's what that's what's traditionally the credit is given to them and um they the Aztecs called them the Olmecs, uh, meaning the rubber people. But the I I've and I ha I don't have too much evidence. So when I have something evidence, I'll I'll talk for days on it. But my my theory goes: What if there were some Egyptian explorers when Egypt was at its heyday? They were probably the greatest civilization that we know about of all time. And so why is it crazy to think that maybe the Egyptians sent out some explorers and they made it to Western Mexico? And maybe that's what inspired the Olmecs to build the first uh, pyramids. Uh, and again, I don't have too much evidence to back that claim up, but that's just the theory that I've, after researching and researching a little bit, uh, it seems to make a little sense anyways for me. Well, you know why you don't have a lot of evidence to back that up? Because we don't have much evidence about because the Olmecs to begin with. there isn't any evidence. Yeah. There isn't any evidence to back that up. I At mean, all. the Olmecs are, it's interesting because I did a show about possible Chinese influence on the Olmecs. Because at the time that their civilization was flourishing, or right before that, there were supposedly Chinese explorers that had rounded the, the, the Horn of Africa, gone around uh, Cape, the uh, Cape of Good Hope, all the way up to like the Canary Islands and Cape Verde. And so there's people who theorize that the Chinese may have gotten to the Olmec area. Other people say about the Polynesians and then I have the Afrocentrists who swarm my channel like you would not believe. Oh, I believe and, it. I believe you know, it. <laughs> they say the same things over and over again, and I don't even have to step in anymore yeah. because other people will come and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this, this, and this, and that's why I don't think that you're right. And it's funny. I'll tell you one thing. There is – um, well, 15 years ago, I used to take people on tours of Mexico, and there was this guy from Phoenix, he was a garbage man, and his name was Bobby Gonzalez. Oh, I thought you were going to be and, talking about me. Okay, oh, well, go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, he was, Bobby Gonzalez and his wife saved up a lot of money to take this tour, but the guy looked exactly like one of those heads and he was puro chicano you know he was his 
uh, family. I'm not sure. He wasn't really sure what parts of Mexico his roots were traced to. But if you looked at this guy, his face looked like one of those monumental stone carvings. Yeah. And if you ever go to Veracruz um, or the, the other lowland areas where or Oaxaca, where the Olmecs were, you will see people, living people, who look like these carvings. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, people will look at them, and, you know, like one guy was telling me, they look like the Hawaiian royal family. And yeah. I then pulled up the Hawaiian royal family, and I was like, wow, some of them look very similar to these carvings. Yeah. But the... the the fact of the matter is, it was funny. There was a French archaeologist in the 1850s, sometime in the mid 19th century, who was saying, who told the world, you know, was a big advocate, telling the rest of the world, "Hey, look, people, you you wonder where these these ruins came from in the jungles," and he was specifically talking about the Maya, but he said. Look at the murals, look at the carvings, and look at the people who are still living in the area. They look the same. It was these people here who are living here now. Their ancestors are the ones who built this stuff. Look at the carvings and look at who's here now. And it's the same with the Olmecs. If you go to the area where, you know, Monte Alban, all of these places, you'll see people walking around that look like these heads. So, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the easier explanation could be... be... Yeah, I mean, and who are these heads? They're gods. Oh, you know, people are saying they're gods. I think what they are is they're all wearing helmets. And some the ancient astronaut people will say, oh, those helmets, you know, it's space helmets or whatever. But their ball court helmet protection... The, I These people could be the Charles Barkley or the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of <laughs> ancient Mexico. These could be sports heroes. Yeah, yeah. Because the oldest game in the world is the Mesoamerican ball game. It has been played for thousands of years. Yeah. And so whenever you have sports, or you have a stratified society – then you have the development, the growth of sports because of the whole competition thing or whatever. And so maybe these stone carvings are of sports stars. I know it sounds trite. We all want to think that they're gods or, you know, kingly rulers or whatever. But what if it was, you know, yeah. their Charles Barkley or their Kareem or their Carl Malone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, I like that. I like that. that simple. It yeah, can be yeah. That simple. For sure. Because those, those ball games, when the Spanish first came and stuff, they were like huge. Yeah. And, and it, it's been something that Mexicans have been playing for thousands of years. Yeah. So I don't know. These could and be they were the rubber people. stars of the court. Exactly. Yeah, that makes so that I makes one hundred percent sense. I, I I I do like that uh, that thought right there. Yeah. Well, you know, people say people look at the sculptures too, 
And they say, well, look, big lips, big nose, they must be African. Oh, but wait a minute, the eyes are bigger too. All of the features on these heads are exaggerated to some degree. They're not, they're not perfectly representational of a person because if you were to have eyes that big, you'd have to have like teacup saucer size eyes. I mean, because the eyes are big too. It's not just the noses that are broad and the lips that are bigger. It's the eyes also. Yeah. So, you know, that takes away from the whole African thing, I think. Yeah, it does. I, this is one of those that I just go back and, and forth and, you know, just continue to absorb it. But I do like what you just said about the, you know, possibly being glorified sports stars in the rubber game because I've thought the same thing when I don't like too much the theory that aliens built the pyramids because it takes away from the greatness of what humans can do um, right it, it takes away from the indigenous genius yeah yeah that and I believe actually did produce all of these things yeah for sure so when I people will say, oh, I'm sorry, I just had this last thought, if I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People also attribute the pyramids to giants. Now, I don't. I mean, people who are saying this stuff or whatever, I, I think people who who make a lot of these claims and theories just haven't been down there. Now. I don't know if you personally have climbed a pyramid in Mexico. I have. I've been. I've been to several ruins. Um, okay, now you tell me: Are those steps on the pyramid? Are they for giants? Hell no! Or are it's they just for regular US, people. U.S. U.S. men's size seven or eight shoe for those steps. It's like they're they're meant for I for Western Europeans. I would say. Like twelve or thirteen year olds, yeah. but the people who are down there are smaller people. They're more diminutive, and so their feet are smaller. I would say U.S. size seven or eight shoe. That's what the steps are made for. Then people will counter and say, "Oh, well, the steps were added later." Okay, well, <laughs> I guess you can't win. I but yeah. <laughs> you know, like there are a lot of theories that are swirling around, but. Um, yeah, I am inclined to believe that the people who are there, the ancestors of the people who still live in these areas, are the ones who built everything. And if you look at a lot of these pyramids, there were no five-ton blocks that it's a mystery how they were moved. They were just small bricks that could easily be carried by anybody. You know? And then that's not to diminish the achievement at all um but what i'm saying it is it is possible with stone age implements to make what we're seeing so yeah. it doesn't take alien technology yeah 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 i i kind of i'm out of that camp i know some people that may be listening may be of that camp so i'm not i mean to each their own yeah i mean and i i mean i like to hear different things there's and you never know when someone will come up with something that's just an insight of brilliance like this guy contacted me and he's a worker in la 
a guy who works for like the parks and rec department or whatever, cleaning up parks or whatever, this guy, this Chicano guy from East LA, from LA, whatever. He contacted me and he said, I think I understand those murals. And here's another controversy. There are murals in Bonampak. It's what I call the Sistine Chapel of the ancient Americas because there are all of these paintings and the paintings are really detailed. It's in the Maya city of Bonapak. And the paintings are really detailed. They're beautiful. And some of them are kind of funny. Like there's a king who's sitting and he's receiving a line of people. And there's a guy who's smoking a cigarette. And they, they call him, you could look it up, the bored smoker. He's standing there with a cigarette in his, in, in one hand. And his other hand is propping up the elbow of the arm, you know, that is holding the cigarette. It's this, it's a lazy cigarette smoker's pose, and it was painted a thousand years ago. So in come the people who believe that there is contact with Africa. And, you know, people are saying, well, why are some of these people darker and blah, 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 all this stuff. And scientists are, and researchers are like, I don't know, you know, they can't really explain. There are some blue people, people with blue colors. I, I say to people, does that mean the Smurfs were in ancient Mexico? <laughs> or, you know, blue people, whatever. The blue man group? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then this guy from L.A., this, this city worker, contacts me and he said, hey, I think I solved this problem. I'm like, what? And he told me, he said, you notice who's the lightest skinned one on this mural is the queen and then the priests. And you see the darker people are the warriors and the captives, the people who spend more time outside. And it took a guy who works outside to look at that, look at that mural with fresh eyes. And to bring forth this interpretation that the academics passed over because they don't work outside. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this guy. Yeah. And he noticed the people, the queen was the lightest one. Well, why was the queen the lightest one? Because she never goes outside. And the priests, too, they're cloistered. Yeah. But the, the farmers, the farmers, the captives, and the warriors were the darkest. So, you know... It blew my mind that that could have been the simplest explanation that yeah. everybody overlooked. And it was yeah. just this working class guy in L.A. came up with that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times the, the simplest answer uh, is the correct answer as as much as it may be to the chagrin of what others are, are hoping for or trying to feed a certain narrative. And so, yeah, yeah 100%. I, I definitely... It, I'm definitely in agreement with that. Yeah, it's. I know you said an hour, and I know we started a little late. I just want to make sure I'm not infringing on your time or anything like that. No, we can go for a little bit longer. Most of the, most of this was all my fault because I couldn't get my computer to work, and I apologize again for that. And for anybody who was waiting, I really apologize to to those people too um yeah it was unforeseen and i'm very sorry about that you just got to use a british voice they'll forgive you if you do this if you in a british voice you say she's got a bloody pig nose 
something. What kind of British voice? Uh, Manchester. Are we going to talk Manchester. about Newcastle? Newcastle, like, uh, come here. <laughs> you you, you, you got to speak New Manchester or Manchesteranese. <laughs> Manchurian candidates. I'm just kidding. They're no, probably I laughing right now. Uh, they'll, they'll be laughing when they hear that. <laughs> I'm going to be on a British podcast on the 16th of March. It's called the Amazing People's Podcast, and it's hosted by a guy who lives in Cornwall. So, yeah. Oh, indubitably, I hope you fancy your time there. It will be <laughs> ravishing, I tell you. Ravishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my white guy that voice. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? My ghetto ass had a hard time uh, understanding just British accents at all. And after dealing with the British segment of my followers, I started to pick up on it. And I've even had some podcasts where some, even some British people are like, holy smokes, how did you understand that guy? I don't, I don't even understand them. I'm like, I don't know. I just picked <laughs> up on it. <laughs> well, that's good. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like the the Malinche. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could take that in several different ways. Oh yeah, so many. That that's a very pole- polemical figure, if you will. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many, so many avenues. That's why I was asking you about your time because I knew this is. I wasn't worried about time. I was like, oh, man, are we going to have enough to fill 40 minutes, an hour? Hell no. And, and I could go on forever on, on a plethora of different sub- subjects. This is why I got into podcasting. Uh, but when it comes to, like, the the Mesoamerican cultures, again, everyone likes to just think that it's the Aztecs, Mayans, and and that's it. That's it. But there were so many, so many cultures. But the reason those two distinct cultures seem to stand out was because of their greatness. Um, the Mayans, for example, were one of the few civilizations on the planet to come up with the concept of zero. Uh, the Europeans didn't even come up with the concept of zero. They got that from the Arabs. The Chinese were also in another uh, civilization that came up with the concept of zero. And when you think of the concept of zero, it seems like such a very simple thing, but it will open up other doors to other advances. Uh, and so the Mayans were able to figure that out. They were able to figure out these intricate arches. They were able to have these giant populations in the middle of the thicket of the jungle. Uh, their accomplishments were pretty damn amazing and i think they you know they do get a little credit here and there but i don't i think they deserve a lot more credit than than they get uh in my opinion uh one of their technological or one of their fascinating things and i have brought this up a couple times already but in in past shows but they in chichen itza there's a pyramid where it's a it's a stone pyramid and if you stand in front of it and you clap, it makes the same exact sound of the Quetzal bird. The Quetzal bird is a green red bird uh, that was very that was venerated by not just the Mayans but uh, even the Aztecs. Uh, pretty much all the all the tribes of Mexico held it in huge huge regard. Uh, but 
it has a distinct sound that it makes. And how in the hell were Mayan engineers able to engineer this feat? I mean, when you take it and, and just sit there and think about it. Okay, this is our bird. We love the sound it makes. Let's make some stone buildings that mimic it. I mean, it is baffling to me. It, it may sound simple to some, but you have to understand when you got to sit down and think about it. What kind of genius went into the design of these pyramids to mimic a bird that they revered and, and held in high regard? Can I make one correction about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You were right about the clapping in front of a stone structure, but it's not the pyramid. It's the ball court there. Yeah, the ball court. I'm I've sorry. been there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there um, a couple times, and they've all there is always that clapping demonstration. It's right near the pyramid, but yeah, it's you have to go into the ball court. But there's another thing about the pyramid there, the main pyramid, that on the spring and fall uh, equinoxes, the the snake appears on the side of the staircase, the shadow of the snake. Oof. So yeah. that's something yeah, that yeah. to me is even more um, intriguing and more impressive than the, the sound of the the clapping sound. Yeah, yeah. Clapping yeah. sound thing, I agree with you there. It is amazing. But this, I think, is in a class by itself. You know, yeah, they, I mean, they I mean the, precise the... engineering. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I'm sorry. I, I, when I get excited, I, I start getting a little interrupty, so my bad. Okay. No, but <laughs> I, I, I guess what kind of troubles me is how people don't really, really take into thought uh, the engineering prowess that goes behind doing those kind of feats, whether it's a sound clapping or the snake shadow appearing. I mean, this is bananas that even... Even minds of today have zero clue or, or understanding how they were able to do that with the technology that we believe they had at that time. Yeah, well, that's what happens when your society collapses and nobody knows why they, the society collapsed, the, the high civilization of the classic Maya. People are still trying to figure that out. But um, yeah, a lot was lost. Well, so, it was lost, shame. and then when the, you know, in today's world, we will sometimes see ISIS going and destroying ancient relics of the past. Yeah, blowing uh, up statues. And, and stuff yeah. like that. But lest we forget that the Spaniards <laughs> were doing that same goddamn thing only a few <laughs> centuries ago, going in and destroying every single codice of the aztecs they're his and but did it, they but did they well only a handful survived and did they oh Jay, how do you know that uh, here's what i would like to talk about for a few minutes hell yeah let's um, hear it roberto vito <laughs> <laughs> on the eastern shores of lake texcoco was the kingdom of texcoco and the it was a wealthy kingdom, and it was under the Aztec rule, you know, it was part of the empire. But it was a kingdom in its own right, and it had a noble family and everything. 
and um, poet kings and princesses came from this city. And sometimes they would have like poetry slams between the royal family of Tenochtitlan, the Aztecs, and their own people. They would try to outdo each other with writing poetry. And some of these poems survived because a lot of these poems were were oral, okay? They survived in the oral history. However, Texcoco had a library, and that library was the most comprehensive library in all of Mesoamerica, and nobody knows about it. And I have been researching for like 15 or 20 years to try to figure out what the heck happened to that. Because that library had codices, supposedly it had codices going back hundreds of years, possibly a thousand years, from various cultures, not just the, the current Aztec culture, but it had Maya codices, it had all these other writing, you know, written documents. It had thousands, but it just disappeared from history. Yeah. We hear about Diego de Landa in in the Maya area outside of Merida taking codices and wooden statues and everything and burning them in a pile and we mm. only have four possibly five ancient Maya uh, codices around. Yeah. And everybody scorns this man Bishop de Landa. Oh gosh, he was a devil. Uh, but that's almost like a, a distraction because there's a lot bigger. There's a lot. Uh, there was a place that was so you're... full of more codexes and more written panels and paintings <laughs> and deer skin um, paintings and, you know, documents <laughs> and everything yeah. in Texcoco, in yeah. the palace of the kings yeah what happened to it yeah that sounds a lot we don't hear about it being torched i believe that all of that stuff was taken away and and squirreled back to europe yeah and it's in some place whether it's in madrid or in the vatican yeah, yeah. all of that stuff is intact and it exists to this day Hell because yeah. we do not hear we do not hear it was so big we do not hear that it went up in flames you know like the library at alexandria yeah. we don't hear you know diego de landa it was a pile of stuff in front of a church this place was represented, it, yeah. it, it held thousands of documents yep yep so it just all of a sudden you know what well, what it disappeared yeah we don't know what happened to it but, and i have a suspicion that those documents are somewhere yeah and maybe someone's using them or has used them or i don't know or they're just having some caviar right in front of them you know enjoying a fancy <laughs> feast uh you know oh have you seen my latest collection here um <laughs> that's another possibility Be and it makes sense. Um, I mean, what you're, as I'm hearing you lay this out right now, I, 
it sounds like the freaking Chinese spy balloon uh, being a giant distraction for <laughs> Seymour Hersh's Substack article on Americans blowing the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, same same thing. That's what it sounds like. Let, you know, we're going to throw out another little little shiny object out here to cover the bigger uh, the bigger gorilla in the in the room. Um, right, because, you know, I people say, oh, Diego DeLanda and that bonfire that he lit or whatever. What he, what he burned, what he destroyed in that bonfire was a fraction of what existed hundreds and hundreds of miles away, you know, mm-hmm. in the Aztec heartland in that Texcoco palace. Yeah. So who knows how many Maya codices were in that library? Hundreds, you know, going back a thousand years. Yeah, that's the stuff that that I mean, obviously, this happened centuries ago, but it it hurts, man. I mean, how much how much information have we lost forever because of those ridiculous acts? And, And like you said, I mean, maybe some of them are still intact and they are just being kept away by these egotistical elitists you know having their caviar and and uh chardonnay <laughs> uh you know like i said maybe they're using them yeah who knows maybe, who knows? maybe there's information in some of these uh, you know documents that could be used and this is why you know, have a book what? called mexico unexplained i mean this is this is the type of stuff that that's riveting and and i know you gave me a little short time i did want to ask you uh something that you may have not been asked on any other shows but when and and i told you at the very beginning i do go into the conspiratorial realm of things uh, and it makes it's made me people will laugh oh you're just paranoid yeah i am because I, I follow where the evidence takes me, and it's a scary, dark place. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, so people, if you tell the average Mexican or even American, you know what, Mexico is a corrupt country. No one, hardly anyone will dispute that. People will accept it as fact. Uh, and right. that's it. You do the same thing and say, well, our country is just as corrupt. The only difference is that they cover it up a little bit better. Oh, you're just a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. Get out of here with that nonsense. What are your thoughts? If you don't, if, if that's something you don't want to go down to, uh, by all means, tell me. But I, no, I, I was fine. curious. You know, it's really interesting. I had a conversation a few months ago with one of my suppliers down in Guadalajara, and he was talking about how corrupt he was in some sort of protest. Um, he was he went to Mexico City. There was like a big teacher strike and all of whatever. I don't know. There was something going on. And he was talking about he was telling me, you know, through WhatsApp uh, about how corrupt mexico is and everything and he wished that it could be like the united states and you know with without all the corruption and i laughed at him and i said jose i said you really think we don't have uh that sort of corruption here in the united states the stakes are higher here 
There's more money involved. Of course there's going to be corruption. There's going to be shady deals and all of that stuff because there's a lot more to gain. And so I'm on the same page with you that we're really good, or they here in the U.S. are good at covering things up. Yeah. But like I told Jose, the stakes are higher here. Of course there's going to be shady stuff going on. Yeah. There's a lot more money at stake. Well, so, when you go... And that, like, burst his bubble. That <laughs> burst his bubble. He was like, well, I thought America was, you know, our example for democracy and all yeah, of this stuff. Yeah. And then I said, no, sorry. That's sorry, propaganda. That's a fairy tale that you've been fed, <laughs> brother. And, and that's what it is. You know, like, I I told you at the very beginning, I'm, I'm a huge history nerd. And, and the thing is, we get fed these tidbits that the government should not be trusted, uh, whether it's that the government, American government, did not honor any Native American treaty. Uh, and, and then you have all these other bogus things like the Tuskegee experiments, which a lot of people talk about, but very few people ever bring up the Guatemalan syphilis experiments in which... And, yeah, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, my man. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we can make a long list of things like this. Yeah. People, it's really interesting that people will think, well, that doesn't happen now. Yes. That that was in the past. But that's. What would make you think that? That's what. What would make someone think that it's all of a sudden stopped? Because, well, I think a lot of people, like, especially with what we went through in the past three years. Hell yeah. Well, no one can get one over on me. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think I'm too smart and that, you know, the government's not like that anymore and I'm too smart and it would be on TV, it would be on the news and blah, 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 you know, and then go back to Netflix. Yeah, I think, I think these, these things are done by design. Uh, these methods, it sounds crazy. So let me preface for those people that may be, quote unquote, I may deem normies to understand this kind of talk because it sounds batshit crazy. I completely get it. Um, And and I compare, you know, I was raised very religious, very devout. I no longer believe because I think, in my opinion, this is just my opinion only, and I'm going to have a debate with a religious fellow next week. Um, But in my opinion, government and religion are essentially the same thing. They feed you propaganda. They scare you into submission. So in re- in in the way of religion, you're going to go to hell. This is what the Spanish came and told the Aztecs. You better accept our Christian savior or we're going to burn your ass on the goddamn stake. And what does the government tell you? Wear these goddamn masks. Take these 20 million uh, boosters or lose your job lose everything, we're going to call you a vaccine denier and all this crap. They both use propaganda and fear tactics. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's the conclusion that I have come to. And and, and you can see it in real time. And again, it sounds batshit crazy, but when you look at the actual evidence, it to me, at least, it seems like the logical um, way of looking at things. But I could be well, off my rocket. Been done, no, no. It's been done in a lot of other cultures. And to loop back to ancient Mexico, you can read on the, the monuments of the Maya how the elites tried to justify their existence 
by tying themselves to gods and, um, you know, manipulating the common person into believing they had unshakable power. And other, you know, kingdoms in ancient Mexico did the same thing too. So it's been going on throughout history and it's been going on in every corner of the globe. Um, sorry, flat earthers or, or other people who believe in different shapes of the earth for me to use a phrase like corners of the globe. But, um, <laughs> anyway, but anyway, um, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it's an age old tactic. tactic. It happens everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's divide and conquer. Like that's the classic divide and conquer. Right. You, that's all it is. It's simple as that. I'm not a flat earther. I, I mean, if people want to believe in that, that's their own thing. Uh, but I, I will say this. I do question. I don't know how you feel about this. I do question the moon landings. I, there's, it just now when I hear people like people that believe in the moon landings will look at me like, oh my god, this guy doesn't believe in the moon. I'm like, yeah, sit down. Let me tell you why I don't believe in the moon landings, or I, I have serious questions about it. Um, and and the, as I get older. I'm starting to see that a lot of these things that I have held close to my heart and dear to me, because I, it, once I look into it in a different way or look at my, like, oh crap, that wasn't, I genuinely didn't know all these other things behind it. This is why people have questions. And so that's not to say I dismiss everything. Uh, again, I'm not a flat earther. Uh, but I do have questions regarding the moon landing because Operation Paperclip, I don't know if you're familiar with Operation Paperclip, where we brought in right, Nazis. We got all the Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. So if they lied to us about that shit, why the hell should I trust anything that NASA had to say? And then when you read the Reuters article from 1999 that they admit, NASA admits erasing original moon landing footage, therefore having to make up moon landing footage i mean if they're willing to admit that kind of nonsense and and this is the greatest adventure or feat that mankind has ever made and we erased the goddamn footage i mean this is as loony thing loony tune thinking as the magic bullet theory during the jfk assassination that one bullet came out through the back uh, of jfk's throat uh, went into Connolly and ricocheted a million other bones and then came out and hit JFK right in the head, blowing. <laughs> it's such a joke. And if you're willing to believe that nonsense, to me, I laugh at, at people that believe these official stories now. I'm like, all right, you can laugh at me and call me batshit crazy, but I'll back up. I'll tell you why I don't believe in these things. Uh, but a lot of these other people that hold on to these things dearly, if you really, really talk to them, they really, oh, crap, I didn't know this. Oh, crap, I didn't know that. Um, I don't know. I just went on a rant, but... uh... It's okay. Well, you know what? Whenever there is um, a major claim like, oh, we landed on the moon, the the burden of proof is on the person making the claim. Exactly. So they have to prove it. And, you know, or if there's a deadly plague that's sweeping the earth or whatever, you have to prove what you're alleging. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then I'm not going to go along. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I, uh, that's my approach. 
Yeah, yeah. Be the, be the skeptic. What you're saying because I don't believe in anything. No, yeah. I don't. You know, people ask me, "Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe in this?" I don't believe in anything because belief is the enemy of knowing. Yeah. And you have to know or not know something. Believing in something, uh, well, come on. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. don't believe in this or that or the other thing. You have to show me, and then. If you show me, then I will accept it as true. Yeah, false. yeah. I love That's that. It. I love what you just said. This is what I tell people, and, and I try to get some people. I like I like having debates and discussions with people that may view opposite of, of what I believe in or, 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 or espouse to say or claim. Um, I like to le- have these discussions, and I tell people, if I'm telling you I would debate you is because I feel like I know the subject in depth to do so. Um, right. when, if I feel like I believe in something, I'm not even going to touch it. I'm like, shit, I don't know too much about it. I'm going to tell you flat out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not gonna BS you around uh, and, and jerk you around and, and give you runarounds. Oh, yeah, well, I think this, I think that. No, but when I do take a stance, it's because I have, I feel, com- I feel comfortable enough with what I've researched to to defend what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm the same way. And I have to tell you that I, I, I won't mention who, but a relative of mine, in case they were listening, which I don't think they will be, came down to San Diego to do kind of a mini intervention with me. Yeah, or I, I heard that. I heard this one. Yeah. Bring, oh, you heard this Yeah, story? yeah. <laughs> bring, bring it out. Bring it out. Let people know. No, well, okay. He came down. Well, I'm surprised. I did talk about this publicly. It was that I same conversation me. when you were talking about Cristina. Um, oh, okay. And, and, yeah. I, and they so, didn't know who she was. And they were like, oh, man, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, yeah. So a relative of mine came to San Diego to because he thought he was doing an intervention. You know, because he thought I was doing this podcast and YouTube channel about aliens and all of this stuff. And then I had to tell him, I said, I don't necessarily believe in all of the stuff that I'm talking about. A lot of it, it's a fascinating story. Do I think that a taxi driver got abducted by alien, by Nordic-looking aliens in the 1950s, one of the first abduction stories? Do I believe that that actually happened? Well, I don't know, but it's a good story, and I'm going to tell the story. And if people want to make their own conclusions from it, that's great. But the same person, we did talk about the moon landing. And then after all this back and forth and how how many times he gave me these gotcha questions, you know, gotcha, you know, uh, after all of the back and forth, I said to him, you know what? have you even looked into this and then he said to me no i don't need to look into it and i said why have you wasted my time i thought i was talking to somebody on the same level as i was oh i i've looked into it Roberto Vito. he even he told me that he didn't even look into it and he wasn't even going to so what is that like it's yeah. like a religion at that yeah point. yeah it's, it's 100%. like a cult yeah, you can't just surface just level. You can't just no, surface level I, shit, man. This is what you know, and and you don't have to comment on this or not because this this is still a touchy thing. But nine eleven, 
I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the government was complicit in some capacity. Uh, and, and a lot of people will always bring up the buildings falling at free fall speed. And, and no question. Or building seven. Building seven and all seven. I'm like, and I tell people, look, you don't even have to talk about the goddamn buildings. Just talk about the embassy in Jeddah. Where a whistleblower was saying, wait a minute, why are we giving passports to these alleged hijackers? And every single time he got overruled and these people were let in. I live in Venice, Florida. This is where Mohammed Atta lived. And he was flying in cocaine um, on a regular basis to Venice, Florida. The FBI knew about his goddamn whereabouts. So if this isn't government complicity, the other element of government complicity for 9-11 was the 28 pages report came out a few years ago which stated that a royal someone had to be found uh, funding these alleged hijackers while they stayed in florida and lo and behold we found out a royal family whose names were conveniently redacted in the 28 pages report that the cia uh released through a FOIA request and why are we redacting the names of the people that were funding these goddamn alleged terrorists? You know what I'm saying? So the 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 complicity of the government in this is all there. Now, it's debatable how much complicity was in there, but was there any complicity? Hell yes. And then you look at the insider trading uh, with the... With... You cut out there for a second. I can't hear you anymore. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Did I mute you? Whoops. I wonder if we hung up. <laughs> Maybe it was too spicy. I don't know. Hey, I guess we got cut off. Yeah, that was weird. I, I don't know what happened there. I just, I was like, oh, crap. Maybe I went a little too deep. <laughs> well, that's what happens sometimes. Are we still on the air? Yeah, no, we're, 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 still, we're still recording. Uh, well, okay, to wrap all that up, yeah. I think a lot of these big conspiracy theories to use you know that term and you know i know people have a problem with that but there's really no other term we can be using but it, these bigger conspiracies i think they're meant to get us all befuddled and to mess with our heads and stuff and i think the simple thing to do when confronted with these big things these big events whether it's jfk or 9 11 or whatever is to just realize that what we're told is not exactly what happened and that we really can't ever get to the bottom of it i mean you have jfk researchers who are now going on almost 60 years of research because this November will be 60 years since the assassination yeah, yeah. or the alleged assassination. Some people believe that he is still alive or survived that day in, in Dallas. There's a, there's a coterie of people who believe in that, but all that we can be go to bed at night and, you know, feel better about ourselves in knowing that, okay, we're not being told the correct story and there really isn't a way to get to the bottom of it. And is it really important? 
Is it important to spend 60 years to try to get to the bottom of something? I, th- I don't I th- think it is. I think it's a big time suck. Yeah. A lot of this stuff, It's and I think it's intentionally made that way. It's no, to I, make I, I people get scurry around. I get you. That's how my brother, when I bring up this stuff, he his mind just shuts down. He's like, oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> so I compl- I'm completely... I completely see where you're coming from. I, I think it is important because to bring it back to ancient Mexico, uh, one thing that I've brought up on my show several times, but can you only imagine being a young Aztec kid just chilling, maybe playing a couple rubber ga- ball games every now and then, and you look across the ocean and you see these wooden-ass ships Things that you have never seen in your life, you have no clue yeah. about. Those ships arrive, and that kid at that moment in time has zero clue that his life, as he knew it, will never, ever, ever be the same. It will have changed forever. And so when I look at these current events, these biometric IDs, that were considered conspiracy thinking and that the government is going to freeze your bank accounts. Again, cons- considered conspiracy thinking. These lab leak theories that were considered conspiracy theories. All these things that have come to fruition. And then they get justified as, well, those were lucky guesses. No, they were not lucky guesses. It's because you study the patterns and you recognize it. And so this is why, at least for me, I can understand where you're coming from. But at least for me, it's important because... I want to try to minimize the damage and as possible because a lot of this propaganda that we're getting fed um, is to put you to sleep and just accept things for the way they're going. Uh, accept- but how, what are you going to do about it? Let- That's the thing that I think that these people, I mean, they know that people are researching this stuff. But it's a big ha-ha in the face of the supposed, quote-unquote, awake people. It's like, yeah, we're doing this, but there's nothing you can do about it. So there. I, I think that's I, I think, part of that. I think the non-compliance, I think a lot of people, uh, especially the last three years that we went through, where, see, I live in Venice, Florida, like I told you, and... The That's av- by Sarasota, right? It's in Sarasota help? County. It's in Sarasota County. Venice, Florida okay. is, I think, the number one, maybe number two. But it's in the running for the oldest median age in the state. Uh, you drive around. You walk around. I'm 40 years old, and I'm a young spring chicken. You know? Uh, everyone is, like, in their 70s, 80s. Uh they're pretty old out here. Shout out to all the old people that listen to the show. Uh, I know, I know. There's a little. There's actually a pretty good percentage that listen. <laughs> so I'm not shitting on you. Believe me. I'm just saying that for me, that was when when we first heard of COVID coming around and everything. That was one of the things that made me like. I was scared at first, just like everyone else. I wore my goddamn mask. Like, oh I man. Wasn't. You said everybody else, speak for yourself. Okay, okay. I, I was like a lot of buffoons. Speak for yourself. I, I, I was not I, I was not amazing like Robert Bito that, that knew knew it from the very beginning. And and, the, and the, kudos to you because you were doing that in San Diego, which, you know, 
has oh, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, oh my gosh. So here in Venice, it, it's very old, very conservative, if you will, very uh, pro Jesus, very pro Magas uh, everywhere. And so I didn't fit in in a lot of these categories at all. Uh, I don't believe in any of those categories. <laughs> but when it came to it, I'm like, okay, if this is as bad as the media is pushing it out to be, why isn't there mounds of dead people everywhere? Uh, they all fit the demographic. They, they, you know, these people should have been goners and no one's wearing a goddamn mask. No one is lining up for these vaccinations. Um, these hospitals are not shut down. So it, it was all fear porn that, that we were getting fed. And, and so for you to be doing it in San Diego, <laughs> that's kudos to you. Well, this is what happened. Here's what started my thinking. Okay, I have relatives in northern Italy, in Milan. That's my, uh, on my father's side, that's where my ancestry comes from. And they were experiencing, quote unquote, COVID in late February, early March. And so I can read Italian. And I was reading some of these reports and I was saying, wait a minute, these people who are dying have like four different other sicknesses mm. and they eventually called those comorbidities and so i was seeing that in early march exactly three years ago right now and i was saying well this doesn't look like it's a pandemic for everybody it looks like it's hitting the elderly and the very sick and then they started to do social distancing yeah and then there was someone on my facebook feed who said if one person gives it to two people and those two people give it to two people you see why social distancing is important <laughs> and then i said okay let's finish this math equation and let's show our work yeah okay so in seventh grade math, I learned something called exponentiation. Okay, one goes to two, two goes to four, four goes to 16. Ah, okay, so, and when I was 12 and I heard about exponentiation, I was going to disprove the existence of vampires. Now, how did I do that as a 12-year-old? Well, the vampire bites two people, and then those people become vampires. They have to bite two people. And so if that happens every day, how long would it take before the whole world would be vampires? It would be less than a month. Okay. Mm. So I took the exponentiation, and I did it for the United States. If one person infected two people and those two people infected two people and so on, how long would it take before the entire United States would be infected? And I figured out it would take about three weeks. Yeah. And so three weeks into the pandemic, I didn't even know anybody who was sick. Yeah. And I was like, this is not what they're telling us. <laughs> because if it's highly contagious and highly dead, then I would at least know one sick person. And then what was going on people were still traveling and flying think about it march april may during the height yeah, of the pandemic yeah. you could get on a plane with no mask yeah nobody you know where are the dead stewardesses where are the dead grocery store yeah. workers and so that was it by the beginning of april and i was sharing this all on social media oh, by the man. beginning of april i had it all locked down and were you were you getting shit on were you getting a lot of pushback because of that stance? 
people wish me dead. Oh. They wish me dead of an agonizing death on a ventilator. Damn it. Darwin Awards. Jeez. All of this stuff. Well, Darwin's going to get you. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here I am three years later, and I haven't had the sniffles. Mm. And so because I understand how to keep myself healthy, and that's the topic of a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm almost 55 years old, and I almost never get sick, and I have a way to keep myself healthy, and it works. And so, you know, yeah. I just went about my little way after I banged my head up against the wall for months. And I would show things with facts on Facebook and Twitter. And I got so many people delete me and delete me in a very, very awful way. Yeah, people I had yeah. known for 30 years, family members. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they just, and I said, look, I'm presenting. You want to argue with math? argue with math yeah i'm presenting this and i'm showing my work yeah that should be enough and then all the other things that i presented um that didn't mean anything people just went ahead and did whatever and yeah. then i've known people to pay the consequences for not listening and it's, it's very dogmatic and that's the thing you know the, the side that was dogmatic pro-vax and pro-lockdowns uh yeah. seem would would carry themselves as the ones that were like oh religions are nonsense fairy tales and blah 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 uh screw that and yet they're acting like a religion of their own you know i've always been pro-science i felt like uh taking the scientific but the way this whole thing was handled it wasn't scientific at all when you couldn't question yeah. when people were being censored for having yeah. questions if your theory if your proposal is so solid why why are you scared of people questioning it why why are you scared if it's so solid you shouldn't worry about people poking holes in it because if it survives that scrutiny then you have a solid theory in your hands and seeing how censorship was being handed down these are the same people that say oh they love to call everyone a goddamn nazi and yet they're pro censorship just like the goddamn nazis uh it's just so hypocritical in every in every way and and i didn't know this about you you know in, in doing some research i didn't know this was a stance you had but yeah it's awesome that that you were able to see through the nonsense through this whole time especially living you know living in san diego which and you know what let me tell you when i realized what was happening I not with other people that kind of was scary to me how people were complying and and their reaction to things and stuff but when I realized that there was nothing to worry about I mean I, my life became a lot easier when I figured it out really early on and so I just went about my life without even giving it a second thought but I can't really say that without even giving it a second thought because I did have to wear a mask to buy groceries and go to the post office and do yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So I did have to comply, did get yelled at, and then I started to take off my mask before the mandates ended 
that yeah. lasted here for years, like yeah. for a year and a half, two years. And then people were just so mean in public. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, no, I could go on and on, but <laughs> I don't know if that's why we were, we were meant to talk today. But Oh, man, I, I have... I should have told you this before. This is why I asked you earlier, like, what kind of time frame you want. Because I have done yeah. a couple of eight and a half hour podcasts. Oh, my I've gosh. done an 11. No, you're not hooking me into one, I... you're not hooking me into one of those. <laughs> I've done an 11 hour podcast with world oh, famous, no. world famous Brian Harvey. He was the lead singer of E17 uh, back in the in the early 90s. Sold 22 million records, and we went off for 11 hours just shooting oh the shit, gosh. man. Um, and, and you know, you know, on your YouTube analytics, it'll show you. This was when I had my original YouTube channel. I got banned several times, so the YouTube channel that I have now, yeah, it's just the it, it. We're living in censorship world. Orwell's 1984. But in my analytics, um, I hit the one million minutes watched. Uh, in one week, so that told me that if I did an eleven-hour podcast, like no, no freaking way, no one's gonna listen to eleven hours with a podcast. And then Monday came around, Tuesday, I was getting comments. Oh man, I just finished this. This was epic. Wednesday come around. Oh man, I it took me a few days, but I finally went. So over over the course of the next few days, people, some people, they shout out to those. They're they're listening right now, but they listen to. The whole eleven hours live, uh, but wow. the, yes, 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 and and there was other people that that over the transcourse of a of a few days listened to the whole thing. So I'm a marathoner when it comes. I'm I'm a I'm a uh, podcasting taraumara. <laughs> you, only you know, only you will understand that joke. Only you will understand that joke. That's very good. That's pretty clever. Hey, very do you do clever. you mind do you mind telling people why I said a podcasting tarumara? Because the tarumara are long distance runners in Mexico. <laughs> and yeah, they're known for their long distance runners. Hell yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, you I know what? They don't compete. They can be I mean they should have Taro Mara. Well, 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 let me let me correct you. Let me correct you, Robert Robert Beetle. I was about to call you Roberto. I don't know if you would have got offended. That's fine. You can call me that. That's okay. But let me. There was a, a documented case of a Taro Mara uh, doing a 100 mile marathon, and um, <laughs> he ran it in Huaraches. For those people that don't know what a Huarache is, it's it has the sole of a tire. And then it, it has leather strappings that go around your ankle. I used to wear them in high school, and people would be like, oh, man, here comes Wheezy wearing his Jesus walkers. I guess you can call them Jesus walkers, <laughs> but they're called guaraches, goddammit. <laughs> and this Tauramara, he ran a 100-mile marathon. He didn't do too well, but when they told him that the marathon was running according to this article that i read he was just getting warmed up <laughs> so he had no idea oh shit it's only 100 miles you know and he he would have picked up the steam a little bit more but uh yeah those guys are long distance warriors yeah yeah that is true you know what 
I mean, it would be it would be interesting. I I said just a few minutes ago, don't drag me into one of these long podcasts. <laughs> but it would be interesting if I prepared mentally for it. Yeah. And I could clear my schedule. I think I'd be up for a marathon podcast. My man. Because I know my man. Mex Mexico Unexplained, I'm up to episode number 335. Yeah. And there's so much more that I want to talk about oh. on that channel. Yeah. Because I've experienced a lot, I've learned a lot, and there's I can talk. I think I could talk for eight hours. I got a solution. I got a solution for you, Roberto Vito. Okay. We can do a marathon podcast, however long it may be, and then you upload okay. it to your channel. And then it'll be mostly yeah. about what your musings, what you want to get out, and then we'll, okay. it's like a simulcast, man, and... and I, I don't know. What say you about that? We I'd be down with this, man, because th I, I understand that my audience, a lot of them, um, not all of them, but many of them will tune out because mm, this is not me, really my cup of tea. And that's fine. I can't. I'm not going to shit on anyone. Everyone has their own likes. You know what I'm saying? Everyone has their own tastes and whatnot. And, and I completely and utterly respect that. Uh but at the same time, this is my passion right here. And so, yes, yeah. I'm down to go into JFK and 9-11 and all that stuff. And we'll go hard in the paint. But when it comes to ancient America, uh, ancient cultures, this is this is my personal passion. And um, I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be down with that if you were down. And, you know, you cleared your schedule. We could make it happen yeah. and, uh, and, and get it done. And hopefully our cameras will be working. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, and I think it has to do with the fact that my computer is so new. And then because I was trying to get it up and running, I brought my laptop in. And for some reason, I don't know what happened with the laptop. The laptop is old and the computer is new. Computer I just bought two weeks ago. So... The old laptop wasn't working because it's old, and the new one wasn't working because I didn't have what I needed to have downloaded beforehand, and I don't know what happened. I'll have to figure that out, but next time that we talk, everything will be working fine, I can assure you. Yeah, we'll do it, man. I, this was a truly, truly treat, so I'm going to cut you loose, man, because you gave, you've given us... Given me, anyways, more time than, than I expected, and got it just flowed. I didn't realize how, you know, how far we had gone in, um, and I think I just feel like we were just scratching the surface. I feel like we could have gone. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, could yeah. easily and go I a couple people, more hours. I hope people found it interesting. I don't know. I think we wandered around a lot, and we went here and we don't went don't there. worry about that, so Robert. I just hope that I just hope that people. People liked that kind of format. Don't worry. This is my style. I'm all over the goddamn place. I'll touch. This is what attracts my audience anyways. It might not, it might not appease to everyone, but at least my audience, that's why they stuck around with me. I just jump around from here to there to... You just never know where I'm going to take it. And this is why I told you. When I get someone on, I try to do as much research as I can and try to ask questions that I haven't heard being answered by my particular guest to make it a unique experience, you know what I'm saying? So, 
that that's just my my goal in in doing it but uh mr robert beetle where can people find you well mexicounexplained.com is the main place where you can see you can get free transcripts of each show you can read along the podcasts are all there too for download you can go to youtube mexico unexplained and you'll see um pick like picture slideshows set to the podcast you can have fun reading all the comments from all the people <laughs> and then you can i'm also on social media i'm on facebook mexico unexplained about twitter and instagram mx unexplained so you can find me pretty much ever anywhere you want there you go everyone my man roberto vito it was I, i'm not just saying this i'm not blowing smoke up your uh witchy temple behind um but uh no it, it was truly a treat i knew i knew it i knew we were we were going to be spitting some fire and that's what happened tonight and if whenever you message me i i don't want to be feel i don't want to feel like i'm pressuring you whenever you're ready for that marathon hit me up we'll get it done <laughs> sounds great and thank you for the opportunity and thanks for putting up with my technical stuff and uh, um yeah out. let's do it again let's do it again oh, I, yeah. i'm up for it i yeah. am 100 percent down with this man we were we were hitting every nook and cranny and uh and it was great it was great and you were such an amazing person like i and i didn't want to make you uncomfortable with certain things that's why i said you know hey if you don't want to answer it just don't answer it uh but I mean, you you went there, and and I think we we got a better feel for you, and you do amazing work. So everyone, hit up my man Robert B Biddle on uh, YouTube and his website. It's all in the description there. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you again. Let's talk soon. Yes, let's stay in contact and uh, message me. Okay. All right, my man. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. All right, y'all, that was Robert Biddle from Mexico Unexplained. Truly, truly enjoyed that. And um, hope you guys did too. So check out the links at the bottom of the description. Much love, everyone. Hugs and kisses.